1: The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz.
0: Y'all do not even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide.
1: And Mark Cranek.
0: Time has come for someone
2: to put his foot down, and that foot is me.
0: Welcome into it. It's the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. This time, Connor Clark in here with you on a Saturday on the bye week as Chris Schmidt is out feeling a little bit under the weather, but trying to get back to his full strength. And uh, we have a bye week upon us, so we have a rewind episode upon us. We'll be going through some of the better interviews that we have recorded here at the station. We'll be running you through those throughout the hours from 7 to 9 a.m. here on espn lincoln klms so uh just be ready and we're gonna get going here in just a couple of seconds here with these rewind segments first off we have Corey schulzinger then followed by barry alvarez in hour one coming up in hour two it's joel Wilkes, the spelling bee segment which is a fan favorite and then joe gans to wrap up the Saturday morning show. But we appreciate you being here with us on Hale Varsity Saturday Morning Edition. Once again, Connor Clark here with you on this wonderful Saturday morning here in October. And we will jump right in to the Rewind segments. First up, we have Corey Schilsinger and his interview.
3: Back with you at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for YouTube Tuesday. We love doing this, and we talk about a Husker great and a Husker game that we've checked out on YouTube. And why not the '95 Orange Bowl? We welcome in Husker standout uh, Lifter of the Year and an incredible wrestler, the pride of Columbus, Corey Schlesinger, with us. Corey, it's been a while. It's nice to speak with you again. How you doing today?
2: Oh, absolutely great.
3: That is good to hear, man. Family and everybody doing okay amidst amidst the pandemic.
4: Yeah, you know we're all home together, which is nice. It's nice to have the girls home and uh, be able to spend time with them, even though they're still doing schoolwork online. So they're pretty busy most of the day. But it's still it's nice to have them come home and be at home for a while.
3: Corey, you want to spend a couple of minutes here on on the NFL before we get into to YouTube Tuesday and. You, uh, a long-time Detroit lion, of course, uh, drafted in the sixth round in the '95 draft. You spent '95 through '06 in Detroit, a season with the Dolphins in '07. And uh, does this time of year bring back memories, specifically with the NFL draft, just being around the corner on Thursday?
4: Um, it was pretty exciting, uh, considering I didn't go to uh, the combine. I really didn't have an agent until like the last minute. Um, I was working out I was conditioning for the draft um when the the, the NFL came to Nebraska for um, our tryouts for workouts. um I did pretty well I, next thing you know I was flying out to the Raiders, to Green Bay to Detroit, and it was kind of a pretty exciting time so when the draft game came, it was kind of interesting because it was back you know back in ninety five when uh you know, they had on ESPN on Saturday and on Sunday it was on ESPN until, like, the fifth round, and then they turned it off. It's like, oh, my goodness. But then I got the call, so it was good. What
3: was that call like? Who called you?
4: Well, on Saturday during the third round, my brother called. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is a pre cell phone day. This is <laughs> We had one phone, and... So Get off the line. I was like, excited. (laughs) That was my brother. I'm like, you can't be calling me. I hung up on him. So then on uh, Sunday, we were watching the draft, and I had a call. And it was from uh, Carolina Panthers, and they said, hey, we want to pick you up. Uh, We'll probably get you late rounds. And uh, so I said, all right, it sounds, sounds good to me. And then the Lions called me, and they offered me, hey, did anybody talk to you? I said, yeah, the Panthers called me. Like, all right, well, I think they're ahead of us, so we'll wait for them. And then they made their choice, and then the Lions call back and say, Hey, you are a Detroit Lion now. And it's super excited. I don't think, I don't remember what we exactly did, but after that, though, we just got out of the house and got in the car and we drove and went got some eat, and it was just a very exciting time.
3: Corey Schlesinger's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, standout Husker. He was part of the. Husker spring game this uh, virtual edition as one of the Husker fullback greats and uh, what that mean to you being a part of the 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 first and second team uh, the red white scrimmage there with uh, with the fullbacks
4: yeah it was uh, pretty fun that was good to see that there was a little eye formation there (laughs) Um, you know there was not a lot of options in that game but uh, it was still pretty exciting to be part of this uh, being chosen to be one of the fullbacks to represent the white team, and and we won, of course, so that's good.
3: Well, a heck of a r- rally by Crouch and company, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So if 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 you didn't have football in your future. Would you have just been a teacher? And I know you've you've taught. You've done a lot of teaching uh, post-football, but would you have gone right into education? I know you did some student teaching uh, at a couple of different uh, Lincoln Junior Highs, didn't you, After, during uh, yeah. during school?
4: Yeah. Um, you know, I was really planning on starting my second career, which would which have been in education. <laughs> um, I had some experience. Well, actually, I got drafted uh played a year then went back and did my student teaching so okay. it was kind of interesting on that part but uh, yeah this was something I was going to do um, education was my major I was planning on going into education uh, plan on living in Lincoln at the same time and you know it's kind of funny how life changes and you know next thing you know I'm playing in the NFL for 12 each seasons. And <laughs> but the good thing was I kept my teacher certificate up to date I would substitute teach throughout the school district I actually was a uh, grad assistant at the University of Nebraska for two semesters. So there's always had to be a backup because you never know, one hit and you're doing a different job. And luckily for me, I was 12 years later, I had the opportunity. And then when it was finally time for me to uh, realize, hey, it's time to go get a real job, um, I did get into a teaching position
3: you're a pretty legendary wrestler and i know your your pops was is a phenomenal wrestling coach i think my brother-in-law uh, andy uh, wrestled as a young younger kid with some of the columbus youth wrestling programs so uh-huh. i know that's a big uh, big part of your past and how did how did you take that wrestling mentality to the football field because they kind of go hand in hand don't they
4: Well, I think so. It's kind of interesting because sitting in the locker room, there was a lot of NFL players, actually not only in college but in NFL, that were former wrestlers. Okay. Um, What I feel that wrestling contributed was I think it helped prevent a lot of injuries because in wrestling you're getting twisted up and get your knees wrenched on and stuff like that. And the flexibility in your body, which I think contributed to helping me to be, uh, be able to last, sustain for so many years, um, I think it helps with balance. Also, being able to get pushed on and pulled on, and then also, like always, it just makes it tough. Wrestlers are tough guys, and it brings it on the field.
3: Corey Schlesinger's is with us here at Varsity Radio YouTube Tuesday. Last thought on the NFL, Corey, and we'll get into this game. I, it's been a while since we've caught up. What was, what was your experience like with Barry Sanders and blocking for him? And, and then you were so vital with special teams as well for Detroit. I mean, you were, you were incredible for Detroit on special teams, and you also thrived when you got your opportunity. But I know there was some different coordinators that Detroit went through and different philosophies with one back or two back. But uh, what was your relationship like with Barry?
4: Well, Barry was great. Um, it was it was difficult blocking for this guy because my linebacker is going one direction and I'm supposed to be blocking this guy, but uh, Barry's doing something else. But <laughs> I'm not going to tell Barry what he needs to do because <laughs> he didn't do what He, he does the best and I'm going to just kind of go with it. But uh, it was a great opportunity to be a rookie, um, getting in the huddle in Three Rivers Stadium against a um, the Steelers, and having him be on one side, and I had a 12-year offensive tackle, uh, a left tackle, uh, Lomas Brown, on the other yeah. side. I'm like, wow, this is just amazing. Then I had uh, Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd on the opposite side. I'm like, oh my goodness, these guys are <laughs> men over here. So it was a it was a great experience. Um, it was interesting because they brought me in saying, hey, listen, you're not going to run the ball, you're not going to catch the ball, you're going to block for number 20, and that's the office coordinator said, so, hey, I can do that. And I did it for basically nine weeks, and Barry wasn't – I guess wasn't working out as what we were planning, and uh, so they kind of pulled me out, and then, yeah, I was strictly supposed teams. And it's interesting because my second year, um, I was strictly special teams. I was, I was going through training camp. There was not a fullback position in the offense at all. And I kind of told myself, I said, listen, you guys got to get rid of me because I need to go find another team. And they're like, no, just kind of hang in there. Um, so the first cut comes by, the second cut comes by, and I'm like, hey, got to get rid of me, guys, because I'm losing out on, you know, possibly places to go. They're like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. And then finally, the last day uh, uh, for the final cut, I walked into the uh, Silverdome, and there was a guy, one of the scouts, sitting there, and there's two doors, and one door goes to the locker room and one door goes upstairs to meet with the coaches. And he pointed and he says, "Hey, I told you. And he pointed <laughs> to the locker room. And so from then on, I was a special teams guy. And the good thing about it was when they say, uh, go hit the wedge, I went and hit the wedge. So that was my job. It was nice.
3: You loved it, man. You loved that contact.
4: It was, it, it was, it was actually pretty, pretty fun actually just being a special teamer. only bad thing is you're not getting a film on offense, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, did, I strived at it. I This was my job, so I'm going to do it as best I can. I'm going to work hard at it. And, they, you know, like I said, they say go hit the wedge. I'm going to do it. Back when they had the wedge, they don't really have the wedge anymore, but um, I think I blew up a few guys that uh, I think they'll remember my name for a while.
3: How many face masks you go through, man?
4: Oh, my goodness, too many. That's a lot of brain cells, too. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they were changing them out every single game. So, uh, there's quite a few out there but uh i have a buddy who makes fun of me all the time said that you didn't go through that many face masks and i'm like well they changed them out because they were all unsafe for me to wear during the game so quite a few
3: cory schlesinger husker hall of famer with sale varsity radio Corey, uh how often does somebody mention the the 95 orange bowl to you
4: well, it's interesting because one guy that always mentioned it to me was Warren Sapp. So every time I'd play him, he was like, man, that game, you know, he always brought it up. That was the first thing he said. And and I'm like, yeah, well, it was a good game. And, I'm you know, the better team won. And so we always kind of got a chuckle out of it. But uh, people still talk about it. People still watch that game. Um, every once in a while it will be on one of those, you know, uh, um, college game days. Mm-hmm. And – uh people text me like hey i watched you just played and so it was a very interesting stressful game we did win it, but uh whew, we kind of took the last two minutes to win it but uh we we still finished it off and uh we were just talking to about it with my family and how uh, coach Osborne really he he just kind of predicted the whole second half right there and exactly what he said is kind of what happened and and I'm glad I had the opportunity to score those last two touchdowns to uh, to win the game. But, um, I mean, we just had a great team that was just never quitting. Uh, a great bunch of guys that were conditioned for that climate. Uh, we just had a heart that was unbelievable. And we still remember the year before that we lost, of the loss that we had. And, you know, we were not going to not come out of there with a the championship.
3: Corey Schlesinger is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. With Warren Sapp, because you guys would play each other twice uh, a year, right? Because you were in the same division. And so Sapp remembered you, and Sapp remembered playing Nebraska even in the NFL.
4: Oh, yeah. He still remember that game. And he was still upset about it, but uh, <laughs> he, was a, he was a heckling athlete. He's uh, a great player. He was always a great player. And, it was I mean, oh, great player, and it, not only in college, but, yes, definitely in the NFL also. But, uh, yeah, so it was always kind of fun to give him a, a kind of a hard time about it but uh, hey
3: the winning team or the best team deserved it. Corey a thought with you, you mentioned a stressful game, take us through I guess your recollection and feelings as as you got ready in the locker room before the game and then the first half wasn't bad it didn't start great, I mean Miami hit a couple of big plays on offense but things settled down offensively and I think it was 10 to 7 at half and kind of get into if you could coach Osborne at halftime. I've seen the footage but you were there for it.
4: Yes. Um well, the first half really we didn't start off very strong at all. I mean, we were trying to move the ball, we were three and out several times. Um things weren't really working. We kind of switched the to quarterbacks too and still things were not working too well for us. Um but we never lost our confidence. I don't I feel like that was the one thing, cause in that huddle, the players were still just talking about playing and no one was looking down and no one was feeling sorry for themselves. They were just ready to go out there and just keep playing because we were, we were pushing closer to them. We were noticing that we are kind of breaking the wheels a little bit. That's a word to say, but mm-hmm. uh, they were kneeling. They were doing things that we were not, and then we just kept playing and just kept playing, and we'd get a few good, good plays in there, and then they would have a few good plays. Um, that first half, we came. like I said, Coach Osborne came in there during halftime, came in there and told us, and said, listen, we're going to just keep moving the ball. We're going to keep doing exactly what we're doing. We need a couple of breaks in there, a couple of turnovers, which we did. Um, but I can't remember exactly all what he said there, but uh, uh-huh. the players were engaged. They were listening to him, and we, we believed what he was going to say. And we went out there that second half, and we were confident. We had... Um, Our condition was great. We went out there and we noticed that, listen, these guys are kneeling. What is going on here? We are still standing up and ready to play. And that even brought more confidence to this team. And um, we just kept pounding it out. Uh, We kind of figured out what we need to do and we were able to do it. And, you know, that was it. came out with the win and it was a very awesome feeling for not only the players, but for the state of Nebraska.
3: Corey, I mean, you kind of had quarterback musical chairs and you had two really outstanding choices between Brooke and and Tommy. And, you know, Brooke led Nebraska back. Tommy closed the deal with some option plays, broke a couple of big runs, had a great pitch on an option to Lawrence that that went for 25. And then I think you scored the first of two on that next play. And do you remember scoring the end zones, scoring each touchdown. Do you remember Abdul-Muhammad jumping into your arms? I mean, I mean, is it is it like a blur? Is it a flashbulb moment? Or is it just kind of business as usual? I've scored touchdowns before.
4: Well, it's interesting because that first touchdown, we got down to, I think it was a 14, 15-yard line, and he called the play, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, we're going to score this play. For some reason during those practices before the bowl game every time we ran that trap play we were scoring and I know I probably said it before but you know this is the first time we ran it like we kind of changed up the blocking just the hair just because of their defense and sure enough we were practicing that thing and every single time I was just going I would just kept I was scoring basically and getting down the field so when that play was called, I just kind of thought to myself, wow, I'm going to score It was just in my head. And <laughs> so you knew it sure enough. We, we did. I and mean, we got in there and it was uh, exciting, but the good thing, you know, I wasn't overexcited because we're still behind and, you know, still remember from the year before what happened, but kind of got back in the huddle and we kind of kicked off. We did our thing again. Defense just dominated that fourth quarter. So they had to go back and punt it to us and, you know, I think that's when Tommy had that really nice run. We mm-hmm. got, got a couple spins in there and just did a great job taking the ball down the field. So, um, you know, it was a great team effort, and the team, I must say, was just on fire and just never had that, that fear of uh, we're going to lose this game because we just had to drive, and the momentum was on our side at that time. Their defense did outstanding job.
3: Well, the defense was. I mean, it, it all came together. I remember where I was watching it, and so do many Nebraskans. And how how devastating was the Osborne option offense? You, you mean you've got you at fullback, got Tommy or Brook at quarterback, you got Lawrence or Calvin uh, back in the day, Calvin Jones or Clinton uh-huh. Childs or Dame. I mean, you had an incredible stable of backs. Uh, you know, uh, so. I mean, but but for a defense to to stay disciplined against the option, I mean, it, and, and then the physicality mixed in with it. I mean, it was it was an it was an incredible uh, it was an incredible philosophy, wasn't it, to run that type of offense?
4: Absolutely. I mean, the good thing about it, we perfected the the option basically. I mean, we had a whole offensive drill um, just designed to practice that play. And we could run against any defense, any side of the ball. We could always flip it over if we needed to. And that was probably the best part of that was if Tommy would get there and see, all right, well, let's just flip it over. He'd just say over, over a couple times, and sure enough, we're going the opposite way and going against the the weak side of the defense. But um, having quarterbacks and tailbacks that could run it, that were disciplined, they knew exactly what they had to do, that really helped out. I mean, Tommy was a great one. You know, everybody said Brooke was a more of a throwing quarterback, but he still understood it. He still could read the option and pitch it when he need to, or take it up and get a few yards also. So, as a team, we perfected it. It's kind of interesting. We were just discussing this: how will the option work today in today's college? Because you don't really see that often. And why is it? Because they can stop it, or is it because they just you know don't practice it, and it's kind of a I don't. That.
3: I don't think now, you have the quarterbacks. Use. Honestly, I mean, you used to have a lot of option quarterbacks because you had teams running the wishbone or the you know the eye bone. I mean, think about when you were playing, Corey. You had Nebraska running the option, Colorado ran the option, Notre Dame ran the option. Yeah. Uh, and then you, your pro style teams, Washington, Miami, Florida State, they were more shotgun, but. Everybody's mm-hmm. kind of zone read right now, right? I mean, you, you yeah. Know.
4: Exactly. That's, I guess that's what it is, because you start in high school, you can see it now, too. They're kind of doing the uh, zone read. They just kind of wait and look and see what happens, and they kind of go with, with you know, what they have to, um, what the defense shows them, but... You know, it'd be kind of fun. It's kind of funny because the NFL too, you don't you don't have any option quarterbacks in the NFL. So, no. uh, <laughs> and that's because they would get killed. And yeah, you don't yeah. want to put that guy out there <laughs> doing it. But um, it was I uh, I don't know. It I don't know if they'll come around or not again. But you know, if they'll put the fullback in there ever again either. But uh, you know, they still make the guys anymore the tough like us anymore. So that's why you can't bring them in there. No, just get uh, Just get All the fullbacks out there, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's interesting how the game evolves. So, um, you know, just kind of the next chapter in the, the football.
3: Corey Schlesinger's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Hall of Fame fullback. So, Corey, I'll let you go on this, man. And it's—I'll uh, call you more often. And and if it's so much fun to just catch up with you, and I. Uh, how did you celebrate? You guys win the national championship for Coach Osborne. We're talking YouTube Tuesday, 95 Orange Bowl. How did you celebrate? Who did you celebrate with? Who were you close with on the team?
4: Well, It's kind of funny. I was actually exhausted after the game. I bet. And After the game, I think it was probably the offensive linemen and tight ends and stuff like that. We all kind of went out just for a brief time. And I'm like, finally, I just went to bed. I'm like, I'm done with this. It's interesting because one of the radio stations called me um, from Nebraska, and on my in my in my room, and they're like, "Hey, this is so." I'm like, "Are you still?" I said, "Yeah," and I kind of hung up on them. I'm like, I was just You're exhausted. Not. But uh, and it's kind of funny. Years later, the radio station said, "Hey, do you remember when we called you at the Orange Bowl?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that was you guys." I had no idea who it was, but um, <laughs> it was just exciting times. Not only exciting for. You know, it was just for the state of Nebraska. I think the the most exciting part was landing in Lincoln and literally having a not a, a line of people from the airport to the Bob Devaney cheering us on, and that was probably the most exciting part of the whole um, championship right there. That was just beautiful.
3: I mean, just a stream of people out.
4: Just, like, yeah, waving. from the airport to the van, that was awesome.
3: That's incredible. That's incredible. Do you still watch and follow Nebraska?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, so I watched that spring game and it looked pretty good out there. So um, <laughs> 63 points, right? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I try to. You know, it, it's kind of hard. I, we, we don't get all the games here in Michigan, but uh, the games that are on, I do watch them. Um, you know, this year will be a better year for us, and uh, we'll see what happens with it. Pretty excited to see what uh, Frost and the guys can do.
3: Well, Corey, good to get caught up with you again, man. You and your family stay safe and healthy, and we'll chat again. Thanks for a few minutes today.
4: All right, thank you. Thank
3: you very much. Have a good day. ...show with Chris Schmidt
1: and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice.
3: No television for a week. What?! (laughs) Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, a legend is retiring, and he's been a joy to have on the program for a number of years. Uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director and Coach Barry Alvarez, a standout Husker. Coach, congrats on, on what a wonderful career. How are you?
5: I'm great. Thanks, Chris.
3: Take me through the, the decision process here, uh, Coach, to, to step away. And was it hard? Is it time? I mean, how are you feeling right now?
5: I, I feel great. You know, when I was going to retire in January, you know, and, and with COVID, you know, I just didn't think that was the time to pass the baton and have uh, a new person have the burden of trying to work through that. Chancellor asked if I would stay on and help us get through it. Hopefully, we're, we're in the tail end of it now, but uh, I, I just felt like it was time. You know, I'm 74 years old, and my wife's been trying to encourage me to do this for the last couple of years, so. I just think it's time.
3: Mary Alvarez with us. Coach, I want to get back to, to your career in a moment, but can you put into words for the audience just from your position what it's been like to, to navigate, try and navigate this pandemic as an athletic director?
5: Well, You know what, It's it's it was draining because, you know, first and foremost, what we tried to do was keep the health and safety of our student athletes and uh, coaches and, and our employees at the forefront to make decisions. Uh, based on that, make medical decisions. Uh, and, and, and as we move forward, you get different information uh, daily. You know, you learn more and more about the virus. And um, so, you know, you're trying to make decisions. You're trying to anticipate some things. And, uh, you know, it, it was just it was really a draining process and a difficult process.
3: Were you able to, with your position and your experience dealing with something like this that no one's dealt with in this country for a century, were you, were you able to, to calm some fears with the student-athletes?
5: You know what, we try to be uh, very open with them and their parents. You know, we, w- we work through our coaches. Uh, we, we, you know, we would have Zoom calls and informational se- sessions on testing and as we got the information. Uh, how we were going to test what we knew, uh, how, you know, precautions we were going to take. You know, so, you know, we, I, I thought we did a good job of communicating all the information we had so that, uh, you know, parents had answers and mm-hmm. and student-athletes had answers.
3: Barry Alvarez with us on Hale Varsity City Radio. Coach is uh, retiring here at the end of june uh, a marvelous run as athletic director at wisconsin hall of fame head coach so coach when did you know you wanted to to make the jump and become an athletic director and kind of take me through your thought process if you can in your career in your football life where you wanted to, to run a program uh from the administrative side not just the coaching
5: you know th- this is pretty well documented i have uh... I really admired Bob Devaney and, and what he did, and really tried to pattern my career after his. Yes. I can remember when Pat Richter interviewed me and talked about you know my, my vision forward, and I, I told him, I said, I, "You know, I want to do what, what, what Coach Devaney did. I want to turn that football program around. I want to sustain it. When I'm ready to step down from football, I want to take over the athletic department, take your job when you retire." Uh, and continue to build the athletic department. That was that was my vision all along. Uh, he, I joined the senior staff while I was coaching, uh, and then uh, as, as he retired, the, the, the then chancellor came to me and asked if I was. We're we're in the process of building our our suites and, and mm-hmm. renovating the stadium, and we came right after nine eleven. We came to a standstill, and <clears throat> he came to me and asked. He said, you know, uh, we're, we're asking people for donations. They want to know, you know, the direction of the athletic department. They, who, who's going to lead it? Uh, would you take over? And, uh, you know, I had some questions for him, and, uh, you know, we were able to work it out. So I did both for a couple of years and then uh, moved into the director's spot.
3: How was it doing both? What was that like? Well,
5: that was a grind. <laughs> You know, it's hard enough during football season to to, to manage football. Um, you got to lean on a lot of people. I had a very good deputy, and Jamie Pollard was my deputy at the time. Um, you know, but you know, all the decisions still run through me and ran through me, and uh, you know, it was it was difficult, but uh, it, it was manageable.
3: What do you remember talking to Coach Devaney about when it comes to to being? an ad reaching out to him uh with uh with with questions with advice i mean coach Devaney was such a mentor to so many
5: yeah you know what I, i really never talked to him uh about being the athletic director i was coaching you know i anytime and i had a daughter that went to school my oldest daughter went to school there you know so if i when i went back i'd go in and sit down and visit with him and most of my discussion with him was about football and Uh, what was going on in football. I had him come out after that first Rose Bowl that we had. I wanted him to uh, come out and speak to uh, our high school coaches association and uh, watch a little bit of our practice, spend a a weekend with us, which he did and really appreciated. But uh, I really never talked to him about being the athletic director decisions. He had passed, I think, by the time Mm -hmm. I, I took over as director. But I did, you know. Anytime I was close to him or in town, I'd go and sit down and visit with him, mainly about football.
3: Barry Alvarez with his son Hale Varsity, and when it comes to your career, um, Coach Alvarez, were there some twists and turns? Uh, I look at your your ascension from from Lexington and before that at Lincoln Northeast, and then uh in Iowa and then you you get hired away to uh to the University of Iowa and then Notre Dame and then you start your own show at, at Wisconsin what um what do you remember about climbing the ladder uh, and were you able to be patient with uh with the the different stops you had in your career
5: well you know uh i always knew where i wanted to end up uh it, it's difficult to get a, an opportunity to go to to get into college football. Um, I I can remember I I left Lincoln. I was very happy in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but at that time, the Lincoln public schools weren't elevate, you know, they would not elevate an assistant coach or hadn't at that time. So I knew if I wanted to move up in the business, I had to take a head coaching job. That's why I took the Lexington job. It was a great move. I, I really enjoyed my, my two years in Lexington, had some great kids, some really good players, I thought I didn't want, did not want to leave Lexington. I had uh, most of those the, the, my better kids were all sophomores when I went there. A Number of them started at that sophomore year. I think we ended up second in the state, and I think four or five of those guys ended up playing in, in Lincoln uh, and then and playing other places. The next year we were about the same. Uh, I thought I had the best team in the state coming back as a senior. And out of the Clear Blue, I get a call from a former uh, Nebraskan roger Clough, who had been at mason city for two years uh saying that he was looking for they've gone through the they're looking for a football coach gone through the the uh interview process a couple times couldn't find who they wanted he said i've been following you would you be interested and i wasn't interested in leaving and and uh he said i'll you know i'll fly you and your wife out here and my wife said you know we don't have anything to do this weekend let's do it <laughs> and so we did, and uh, you know they hadn't had much success, and and you know we looked. She said, "You know, this is really a nice town. How you know how to win? Uh, let's let's do it, you know." And and so we ended up doing that. We moved across. We left Lexington in a U-Haul and a borrowed hay truck to oh, move wow. to Mason City. And uh, our our second year there, we were pretty good. Third year, we want to. State championship, and that's the year Hayden Fry and Donnie Duncan came came to Iowa and Iowa State. Both of them offered me a job, and I'd I'd known Hayden, i uh, have known of Hayden, and uh, felt I could really learn from him. And that was a hell of a staff that I I joined there at Iowa. And I was really happy at Iowa. I, I was there eight years, and I uh, wasn't looking for anything uh, for another job when Lou Holtz called and, and actually recruited me. Um, you know, and after one year there, promoted me to uh, from linebacker coach to defensive coordinator, and we win the national championship, win 25, I think 25 of the next 26 games, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm a hot property. So uh, that's how I ended up at Wisconsin.
3: Well, and when it came down to your your path, you were always courted. I mean, folks want, recognize the talent, the ability – the success, and said, we got to have Coach Alvarez be our next. And was there ever a, a, a time that, that Lincoln called you to come this way? No. No?
5: No, I never had an opportunity to go there. Um, uh, I had opportunities to go to a lot of places, including a few NFL teams. But, you know, again, I'd always go back. It was always flattering when somebody came after you, and a lot of really good jobs. Mm of the better jobs in the country. But, you know, I, we'd go back, my wife and I, we didn't want to be coaching vagabonds. Right. We wanted to plan our roots someplace, raise our family someplace and call someplace home. And, uh, you know, we would always, you know, decide to stay right there.
3: Barry Alvarez, a couple more minutes with us. Hail varsity radio, Uh, incredible career retiring here at the end of June as athletic director at Wisconsin, Coach, uh, with uh, the the transition from coaching to the athletic department, uh, you have the ability to, well, kind of go go a certain direction, and, and it's it's being a CEO, you know, with with what you got to do from a fundraise. It's a it's a chance to to generate money. It's a chance to give back, obviously. How and you're you're retiring but with an agent name image and likeness that's ongoing in the transfer portal those those are two big things that that are going on with college football how would you you deal with that how would you combat it to to well, make it I, a, a good spot yeah, for everyone
5: yeah you know first of all i'm really concerned about the future of our of our business and and uh you know i've always been a proponent of of uh, doing whatever we can for for the student athletes, I think some of the rules we've had, the NC two A rules we've had over the years have been ridiculous rules. To make rules, you know, we, mm-hmm. it used to be the, the rules on meals, the, you know, all, all the different things. I think name, image, and likeness is the same thing. You know, if a kid is, is talented enough and and can use uh, social media to generate money uh, and you know be of value. Uh, they should be able to take advantage of that. Or, uh, you know, if someone wants to use their their image or use them to m- promote their business, they should be able to do that. Um, I just don't want it to get to the point where you're using that as enticement or, or re- for recruiting purposes mm-hmm. and, and, and you take it to a new level where, you know, uh, coaches go out or schools go out and and, and drum up you know, sponsors for athletes before they even bring them in to use to entice athletes, mm-hmm. and then you know the lawsuits that you know that are coming out where the, you know players want a percentage of the of uh, you know income, et cetera. They forget most schools are losing money. Most athletic departments are losing money. Um, you know, I I, I really think it, it still has to be based on education. You know, and I I tell our people all the time. I tell our or administration I, I never recruited a kid and told guaranteed them that they that they would start or they'd play i guarantee them we'd support them to get an education that's what they're coming there for and that's you know i believe that uh from the time i went to nebraska and so i i don't want to get too far away from that it, you know college athletics is not never should be pay for play mm-hmm.
3: Transfer portal. I mean, that is, and, and we're looming on the NCAA passing the, uh, the the one-time transfer kind of free pass setup, and uh, people benefit from from transfers, and and it doesn't always benefit the kid because uh, it may not be easier even though the grass looks a little bit greener, greener somewhere else. I mean, how, how have you been able to, to cope with the transfer? No. I know Wisconsin's been pretty good about not losing kids, but other yeah. places are.
5: We're, we're fortunate. We have a good place people to, you know, you could run some of our guys out with a cattle prod. <laughs> you
3: know,
5: uh, when you have a good place. And I, I, I put the onus on the coaches. You know, you're recruiting a, a person, a student-athlete, you, you get a chance to go into their home, see what kind of background they have. Are they, do they have helicopter parents? Mm-hmm. Are, there some, are they someone that's going to be spoiled, someone you're going to have to de-recruit? Um, and then I, I put the onus on the coaches uh, to build a relationship with the student-athletes uh, so that they want to play hard and play for those coaches. And, you know, I've said all along, i said in Big Ten meetings, if, you know, if a student-athlete doesn't, doesn't want to be there, I don't want him there go ahead and transfer mm-hmm. and that, but you've got to change now that everybody's got to adjust. And you've got to have someone uh, that that's on top of not just your, you know, overseeing juniors and seniors coming out of high school. You've got to be, have someone on top of the portal and see if there's something that, that fits you that you can go out and, and recruit or go out and sign. So you, you just have to adjust with the, with the times, but I think it's, it's fair for the student athletes to you know, they, they, they see they have an opportunity to uh, for a better experience. Then I, I, I don't have an issue with it. I really
3: don't. Winding down a few more minutes here. Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale City Radio. Coach retiring here at the end of June. A long and super productive career as AD and head coach at Wisconsin. Coach, what are you most proud of uh, as AD? I mean, what, what's, what do you want to be remembered for?
5: Well, you know, it it goes back to football. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, when I went there, I think our budget was probably $14 million, the athletic department, and, and there were $2 million in debt. Um, you know, they're, they're really – I think hockey was probably the only consistently good team at the time. Uh, so to build an athletic department, you have to fill the stadium. You know, you have to have success in football uh, so that you can fund – at a, at, a, at a high enough level, the other sports that you have. In our case, we've got 23 other sports. And and so the fact that we were able to have success in football, fill the stadium, and then help build the remainder of the athletic program and then sustain it, the hard thing is to sustain it. Um, and I think since 93, we have, you know, to, to think of some of the schools out there and the brand names around the country <clears> – <throat> And, and and at that point, Wisconsin had been to six bowls in the history of the school, mm. and from that point, and our basketball team hadn't been to a, a tournament, NC two A tournament, since the '40s. And from that point on, we have more bowl appearances and NC two A basketball appearances than any school in the country. You know that that talks about consistency and longevity, and uh, that that's that's pretty special. And so that that's the What's make what makes me so proud is what we we've, we've been able to build and sustain,
3: Coach. How much golf are you going to play?
5: Well, um, I'm down in Florida right now. Um, <laughs> I'm not very good. My wife even beats me now occasionally. Uh, I'll, I'll play two three times a week, but well, I, I'm not going. You know, I, I have to find some other things to do because. Uh, golf isn't isn't as satisfying for me as it used to be.
3: Well, I I think if you maybe you, you you zoom out and do four or five times a week, maybe maybe you start winning. I don't know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, well, one thing I won't do is practice. So you probably won't get any better unless you
3: practice. <laughs> so you're so you're no to the practice side. I like it. I like it. Barry Alvarez with us, Coach. Uh, thanks so much. It's been so many uh, right. great conversations. Take care.
2: All right.
1: Have a great day, Chris. Bye. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it. You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week.
0: What? Welcome back to Hale Varsity Radio on a Saturday. Connor Clark in with you on this Saturday morning for spit out under the weather. So we're hoping he gets back as quick as possible. We're doing a best of show this morning. We've gotten through two segments already. We have three more coming up for you in hour two from our KLMS ESPN Lincoln studio. And it should be a fun second hour of the Saturday morning show. Just. A quick recap of last night, Norris and Waverly in quite the game here on ESPN Lincoln. Last night, Jeff, Jeff Moats was on the call as Waverly got the win 52-49 to in triple overtime. Can you believe that one? So a great game there, great night of high school football around the state of Nebraska as Nebraska, the Huskers that is, are in a bye week this week. So not much college football action happening here in Lincoln, but still plenty of games to watch. This weekend, big noon kickoff, Northwestern and number six Michigan. That's a big one to look out for. Potential upset alert? Maybe not. But lots of experts are saying this game could be a little bit more intriguing than many expect. But once again, we'll roll on here in the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio, a best of show. We have three more segments coming up for you in hour two. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Once again, Connor Clark here with you.
3: Back with you into Hour 2. a Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. YouTube Tuesday, one of my favorite games was Nebraska heading in to the Hornets' nest of Kansas State 1994. And uh, Nebraska unbeaten. Nebraska ranked near top of the polls. And you had Chad May and Bill Snyder and that nation of purple down in the Little Apple. We welcome in a tremendous member of that great offensive line, the Pipeline, Joel Wilkes with us. Joel, what's up, man? Nice to speak with you. How you doing?
2: Hey, Chris. Great to hear from you, man.
3: Hey, it's uh, it's YouTube Tuesday, so we're going to roll our sleeves up and, and talk a little Nebraska-Kansas State. But, mm-hmm. Joel, what to get from you, your journey, your backstory with uh, Nebraska football. I know you're a proud Hastings kid How did it happen for you? Take me through your process to get to Lincoln and then the, the work you put in to get where you ended.
2: Well, it was always kind of a dream of mine to play in Nebraska. I mean, my dad played in Nebraska. I've got uncles that played in Nebraska. So it's kind of been a family tradition um, ever since I was born. You know, they had a, a Husker football in my crib, you know, I got pictures of it. So it's just always been in the family and, um, I remember my dad took me to the Oklahoma game when I was—I don't know—I was probably ten years old, and we won the game in Lincoln, tore down the goalposts, and all that, and it just blew my mind. And I remember telling him on the way to the car that that was the ultimate, and that's what I wanted to do. and you know, when I—I got to that age, so it has been, uh, you know, something I've always wanted to do my whole life, and uh, and I turned down a few scholarship offers to to go down there and walk on and make my dream come true.
3: Joel Wilkes with a Sale of R City Radio starting guard for the Nebraska Pipeline in ninety four, YouTube Tuesday. Did you look at, at getting to Nebraska as a challenge? Obviously the commitment on your end was was there because you turned down scholarships. Was it mm-hmm. even was it even a tough decision, Joel? You know, I think
2: for maybe for five minutes or so, you know, you, you got the ego of, you know, these guys are offering me scholarships. So you want to think about it, you know, but um, I actually remember when I made the decision, I was, uh, I was like, man, I'm going to commit to, it was Northern Illinois would offer me a full ride. And I'm, I'm going to take that full ride, you know, and I remember at about two in the morning I couldn't sleep and I went and knocked at my parents' door and, and talked to my parents about it. Cause I was stressing out about it. And I remember my mom saying, you're not going to Northern Illinois. Follow your heart. And I'm, that's that's what I did. I said, "You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a Cornhusker. That's what I've always wanted to do."
3: Who was part of your recruiting process? I mean, what what coaches were you in contact with?
2: Uh, Coach Young was mainly my contact. He, he'd make calls to me all the time. And then Coach Young, or uh, sorry, Coach Steele, Kevin Steele, came to my high school and and uh, you know I signed. I got it did a uh, like a two year walk on, and then I got a scholarship. After that, So I had three years on scholarship. So he came to my high school, and I signed signed for that so
3: did you play any cards with kevin
2: <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't at the time I was, he came to the high school my dad was the principal so i had to mind my p's and q's
3: <laughs> that's pretty good well joel yeah. how, how about what it was like for you when you arrived in lincoln and uh take me through the 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 hard work you put in to not only see reps and snaps but start on probably the best offensive line in school history
2: yeah, it was a it was a long journey. I mean, I came into Lincoln at 230 pounds, you know, so I wasn't very big at the time. But um, you know, we have I was on the last freshman team, so I came in my first year and I was on the freshman team. So we had our own team, our own practices, our own uh, game schedule, and everything. Um, so I did that my first year. Then I redshirted my second year, and just got you know, just got tossed around and beat up by Perella and yeah. Raymakers and those guys, and got into fights every day and. um the main thing I did is I, I wanted to have a – I didn't want them to forget about me, you know, because I, I was a walk-on. There's so many guys. So my, my plan actually going in was I'm going to fight every day, and Coach is going to know who I am, even if he's yelling at me to stop fighting. So, I mean, I remember just almost every practice, I'd be getting into it with the defensive lineman. Um, and finally, Coach Tenderford pulled me aside after, you know, two years. He's like, Joel, we get it. You're tough enough to play. Now we got to keep you on the field. You can't be getting 15-yard penalties. So now we just got to get you – doing the right thing so um so that was my first two years just kind of grinding getting bigger then once I got up to you know 280 285 um my third year I'd get in and and, um you know time when it was scrub time you know we were up by 50 I'd get in and then finally my junior year um um I was in the starting lineup kind of rotating with Zadiska and then I got injured so I missed the first month of the season my junior year as well but I came back about halfway through and then Played in the Orange Bowl against Florida State and everything. And then, you know, started my senior year, obviously, with the with the pipeline.
3: That had to be super rewarding. I mean, it, just seeing the work you put in. When it comes to the fights, I want to go back to those. Joel Wilkes with this YouTube Tuesday. Were you starting them or were you finishing them? And do you have a preference between Raymaker or Perella?
2: <laughs> um, you know, just a, if I get a little extra shot from a defensive guy at the end of the play... It was on, you know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to take any crap off anybody. I wanted my coaches to see that if somebody pushed me. I'm going to fight back, and I'm tough enough to play here, you know. Even though I wasn't as big as Stai and Wegert and Zadis and those guys, so I, I had a chip on my shoulder. Kind of want to prove something. Um, I'll never forget the one practice. Remakers and Prella teamed up on me, and they're basically just both of them are just wailing on me, punching me and stuff, and laughing as they're doing it. And I look back and. I'm trying to get away from them. I look back in the whole huddle of the scout team. They're all back there laughing, too. And I'm like, where the heck you guys at? You're supposed to be helping me out here. And they're just watching me just get beat on by those two guys. So, so it's pretty funny. Everybody's just, laughing.
3: Except you, right, as it's tag team Jeff time. Me. I'm
2: like, thanks a lot, fellas. You're supposed to have my back.
3: Did you have to do stairs? You run stairs? Was it? Oh, whatever? yeah. Okay.
2: So I you, got into I got into, well, I got into it with Christian one time, too. And Coach, Coach Osmore sent us in the stairs in the stadium. and forgot about us and we were up there running them for about 45 minutes just dying and then somebody finally told him hey you forgot about those two up there so yeah plenty of stairs man
3: so you were you were a part of that 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 scene that I've heard Keneally tell the story where right, CP is running stairs and he got forgotten about but you were right there too
2: yeah yeah I I ran plenty of stairs from getting into fights for sure and yeah I had a Finally, Coach Osborne called me into his office too, and it's the same thing—like, told me you can't be fighting every day like that. We gotta, you gotta prove to us that you can play in a game and not get a penalty. So, he's like, "We know you're tough enough now, so just focus on, the, you know, running your plays correctly and all that." So, yeah, I was right there with with Christian, all those guys down, down in the pits where we always had the fights. We, you know, the D line O line, we do one-on-ones, and if you got beat or somebody gave you a little shove, it was on. I mean, there's fights all the time down there.
3: I've heard legend about those. Joel Wilkes with us, YouTube Tuesday, Hail Varsity Radio. Does any footage exist of, of the uh, the the pit the pit moments?
2: Oh, no. No, it'd be criminal, man. You wouldn't believe what went on down there. I mean, there'd be assault charges nowadays with some of the stuff that went on down there. So, no. No film. <laughs> <So> just, <laughs> what happens in the pit stays in the pit.
3: Even for an interview? <laughs> <laughs> Especially well, for an remember- interview.
2: I remember time. Times where guys would get their helmets ripped off, and guys are swinging helmets around, and I mean, it could have been, it could, you know, it could have been bad if somebody got hit with one of those. But, you know, and there's there were times when it was, you know, multiple guys fighting, and the coaches just kind of let it go for a little bit, you know. So yeah, it was it was pretty intense down there. But you know, it was cool. Is that after practice, everything was cool. We could go to the training table, and there was. You know, nobody carried carried it on outside the field, which was cool.
3: That's that's what I was going to ask next. Joel Wilkes with us. Hale Varsity Radio YouTube Tuesday. We're going to get into Kansas State, Nebraska 94. Yeah. But you guys were able to just compartmentalize that, okay, that was there to make us better. Let's go have a steak. I mean, you were able to forgive and forget that quick?
2: It really was. I mean, I never had hard feelings with anybody that I got into with in practice. It was just – kind of part of the deal, the the intensity level and the pressure and how well we wanted to do and that's just kind of part of the deal. And then once you got off the field it was, yeah, we're all a team. You know, we're all in this together. We're trying to achieve a goal there. So yeah, it was it was that easy. It was just like flicking a switch.
3: Joel Wilkes with us. Joel, all right, you're starting, you're part of the pipeline. You guys came oh so close against Florida State in ninety three. And then the the, the ninety four season that, that was a movie when it comes to The quarterback situation the the games that that Nebraska not only had to go play but win with uh two great quarterbacks sometimes hurt and it's October and you head down to the best Kansas State team in in forever and you're you're there Mm -hmm. and it's Chad May and it's everyone's loaded up wearing purple and it's hostile and what do you remember about the the, the lead up to the Kansas State Nebraska game in ninety four?
2: Yeah, they were ready for us for sure. It was like an ambush. They wanted us bad. You know, they hadn't beat us you know, since the sixties or something. It was crazy. So and they had a good team and they had some you know, some success, which Chad May did the year before and they yeah, they were ready for us. Um, you know, it was just a cold rainy day, kind of a grinded out game. We had like you said, we were had some guys hurt. Tommy was out obviously and Brooke was injured. I mean, Brooke played in the game, but he was, you know, he was injured and Matt Turman was starting and, you know, we were down to down to just those two guys. So we were pretty limited on what we could do offensively. We didn't want to get anybody else hurt. Um, so, I mean, we barely threw the ball. I mean, I, we probably had 20 or 30 yards passing the whole game and, and just, it was one of those grinded out games in a cold, wet environment. They're loading the, load the box with, you know, eight, nine guys and knew what we were going to do. And, you know, we ran a, some counters and some fullback traps, but it was a lot of Lawrence Phillips running the ISO right between the tackles, you know, and, and they knew it was coming, and they were talking smack and, and telling us that, you know, they kept telling us, hey, that's all you guys got, ISO, and we're like, yeah, let's see if you can stop it. And we started t- telling them which side we're coming to. Like, it's coming left this time, boys, let's see if you can stop it, and we get eight, nine yards of Lawrence just banging it up in there. It was kind of one of those type of games.
3: Do you, do you relish those um, that 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 game plan where it's on you and it's on the defense?
2: Oh, we love that. We, we just love that, man. We're frothing at the mouth. Like you're going to let us run ISO 40 times? You kidding me? We're, that was our style. I mean, we just wanted to, you know, beat people up and just grind it out on the ground. I mean, that's a lineman's dream right there, just to put it on us. And and Coach Tendler and Coach Osborne had the faith in us to to just have that type of game, just to to grind it out and. It, we, our typical fashion in the fourth quarter, we started breaking longer runs and wore them down and, and uh, kind of broke their will at that point and, and finished the game out.
3: Joel Wilkes with us, YouTube Tuesday, Hale Varsity Radio 94, Nebraska-Kansas State, 17-6 the final. And I think it was 7-6 at halftime. And mm-hmm. a couple of scores in the fourth quarter uh, by the Nebraska offense uh, made it uh, an 11-point win and I, I do believe cover. Uh so uh it was <laughs> it was uh it was a, yeah. a throwback win and what was uh, a moment or two you remember and I know you you just kind of highlighted the mm-hmm. fact that you guys were very proud of of your ability so you may tip off we're going to run right at you and there's nothing you can do is there a couple of flashbulb moments in that game you remember
2: um you know I definitely definitely remember that vividly, like being in my stance and talking to the, to, you know, the K-State D-line and telling them which way we were going. It was, it was awesome. And and then when you pounded for eight yards up, up the middle, then we were just laughing at him. You know, it was great. Um, another thing that just sticks out to me is the, the defense, how well they played and the you know, how they, much they got Chad May rattled. I mean, they were all over him. I mean, he was, you know, getting hit in the back and the front and he was getting poked in the eye and just getting rattled, man. And they they did a great job of getting in his head and and uh, slowing that passing game down. I mean, our our our, uh, our cornerbacks, like Baron Miles, had an mm. unbelievable game, and and the defense really stepped up and did a great job too, and and, and kind of kept us uh, in the game where we just needed to get a couple of touchdowns to to get it.
3: Joel, there, your, your defense, you love them, but they were they were a physical nasty crew between Keneally oh, and Christian, and uh, I remember the the accusations by Chad May after the game about getting his eyes poked and other things squeezed, and <laughs> that, that truth or rumor is my question to you on that.
2: It's all truth, man. I, I don't know if those guys want me to say it, but I think it was all true. They got in his head any way they could. I mean, you watch the film, man, and he's just rattled out there, and Taking his helmet off and just getting, you know, messing with his eye and everything else. So I think there was a little, little something going on.
3: <laughs> Did that uh, start on the practice field or D linemen a little grabby during uh, oh. during the week?
2: Oh, without a doubt, those guys are so dirty. <laughs> oh yeah, they say we hold all the time, and those guys are the dirtiest man. They're, they'll do anything.
3: Well, there's the uh, there's the the straight info from joel Wilkes post game i had a couple listeners that remember the the press conference that, that got to me this week as we were going to do youtube tuesday and knew you were coming on and they told me that that zach wiegert in the post game walked in after the win in in, in manhattan and said well they're still kansas state and we're still nebraska was that a was that an attitude a feel and an aura you guys had i mean was it was the confidence that high
2: yeah, it was, without a doubt. I mean, we had a lot of confidence in our group. All the work we put in and all the and we had a you know, the five of us were just best of friends and, and challenged each other in practice every day and, and we just had that belief that when we went out there we there's nobody that could stop us and that's that made us so good, just so we had that attitude and Zach was always kind of our vocal leader and would he you know, he talked the most smack of anybody, but he would, you know, always back it up. I mean he was a, a obviously a heck of a player winning the outland trophy and and uh, we just kind of followed his lead. And we're talking like that. And that um, confidence just, uh, you know, we all had it. And it was just the swagger that we had. And they carried over to the field.
3: Joel Wilkes with us, YouTube Tuesday, Hail Varsity Radio. Joel, any any nervousness about the Terminator behind center? Or were you guys extra amped yeah. up because you had to protect the guy that was your walk-on?
2: No, we were confident in, in Matt. We, yeah, like you said, definitely had the um, – the confidence Coach Stanford telling us this game's on us, we're going to run the ball right at them and, and put it on you guys. And, and man, we, we love that. That's, that's what every lineman dreams about. We're going to run right up the middle and, and uh, put the game on your shoulders. But we had confidence in all, all the guys on our team. I mean, the amount of reps and all the hard work we put in, Matt was very capable of running our offense. And Brooke got in there. And we were, whoever they put back there, we were going to come off the ball and put people on their backs and get it done.
3: What was it like blocking for Lawrence?
2: It was unbelievable. And he's a, he was an unbelievable teammate. Um, and just you just knew you had to give him a crack and he was going to make something happen. He's such a physical back and so fast. And, and he played with such emotion. Um, shout out to Lawrence, too. Today would have been his 45th birthday, by the way. Oh, give him wow. a shout out. Um, but uh, I'll never forget down in the Orange Bowl, we had a huddle of the linemen. We were getting huddled up and before the game started off and we were getting hyped up and... I'll never forget he charged in and broke in the middle of our huddle, and he had tears in his eyes and, and just telling us, "You give me a crack and I'm going to get this thing done." And he just played with that passion and emotion like we did, and just just a great teammate and just loved blocking for the guy. He just had a lot of passion. so
3: Joe Wilkes with us YouTube Tuesday. Last thought here, Joel. Uh, what was, what was the the opportunity like for you? to to play with the other four on the pipeline your chemistry your camaraderie your friendship now and and then and you mentioned the development that went on for you and the rest of the offensive line with with coach osborne's teams mm-hmm. are, are you still in contact you talk to guys every week i mean how how's how's it extended beyond uh x number of saturdays during a five-year span
2: yeah, without a doubt. Those are, those are still my best friends to this day. We talk all the time. Um and I try to go back once or twice a year and, and, and catch up with those guys and but we talk on the phone and text and and uh you know when you've been to to war like that with some guys, that's just you know, it carries over and we've um to this day remained uh, best friends. I mean we just put all that time and effort and blood, sweat and tears together and and it's something that just never goes away. So um I I felt so fortunate to be there when I was to play with those guys. Um, and they pushed me every day to be the best I could be. I mean, I, I wanted to be that fifth guy. I mean, those guys were all scholarship, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of hype, you know, a lot of, um, you know, accolades coming out of high school. So I just wanted to live up to that. So I remember what I did. I picked out the strongest guy, which was Brendan Stein And I was like, you're going to be my lifting partner. And I just followed him around and, and did what he did in the weight room, tried to get stronger and bigger. And, and, uh, just latch onto those guys and, and it worked out great. We had a, a great chemistry and, uh, and an amazing career together.
3: Joel, what are you doing now?
2: Um, I'm a firefighter in Portland, Oregon. I've been out here for, geez, almost 20 years, which is crazy. I've got, I've got family out here and I moved out here and just made a home out here. My parents retired from, um, uh, in Lincoln and moved out here. So they're my neighbors. Huh. Um, yeah, they're just live around the corner. I've got three kids, so they see the kids all the time. And uh, yeah, out here in Oregon. But I'm looking forward. I was going to take my one of my sons back for the spring game, and yeah. with that being canceled, so I'm looking forward. To hopefully, getting back to a game this this fall if everything works out okay.
3: Well, Joel, it'll be awesome to to meet you when you get back to Lincoln, and and hopefully someday Nebraska and Oregon will uh, get a home and home again. Uh, or, oh, yeah, I'd or, love it. Or just, my, old, my oldest
2: son's a Ducks fan, so he's, he's killing me.
3: <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that's that's it. Joel Wilkes uh, with us here. YouTube Tuesday, the 94K State game. Give Joel a follow on Twitter, at Wilkes underscore Joel. Joel, thanks for the time, man. Best to you and, and your family, and thanks for a few minutes.
2: Hey, thanks, Chris. Great talking to you.
1: Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. You two
2: guys leave me no choice.
3: No television for a week. What? Back with you, Hail Varsity Radio, Hail Varsity Magazine. The best of Hail Varsity continues, and we have to include one of our favorites. That is Clausburn. He's imaginary. He wears red. And he participated in a spelling bee, the first annual Hail Varsity spelling bee. J. Moore, T.J. Henning, Myself, we were all judges. Brandon Vogel, one of the smartest dudes around of Hale Varsity, versus Clausburn, Enjoy. Uh, so Jay Moore is a judge in the first annual Hale Varsity Spelling Bee, as is TJ Hanning, as am I. And we welcome in Brandon L. Vogel of HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, uh, what are your credentials again?
4: Uh, My credentials are that I I placed in some Boxview County spelling bee
2: that I can no longer remember, but it was eh, probably second, third, fourth grade, somewhere around there.
3: Uh, That was impressive. Clausburn, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing okay.
4: I feel a little ambushed, but as long as we don't have more than two syllables, I suppose I'll be okay.
3: Okay, that'll work. You're not ambushed. You're you're pretty bright. You're well read, aren't you? Well, I do come from a family of learned doctors. There we go. we got a little music here. Okay. The first word goes to Brandon L. Vogel. Football.
4: Football. Country of origin, please.
3: America. <laughs>
4: okay. Football. Ma-
3: F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Football. Judges. That's correct. Okay. Good work.
4: Uh,
2: Cla- I'd like to raise a point of contention. The country
4: of <laughs> origin for football is Murica.
3: Okay, thank you.
4: <laughs> Try to pronounce it correctly
3: so there's no confusion. Thank you, Clausburn. Klausburn Fumble Rooski. Okay, <clears throat> can you use it in a sentence? Uh, Dean Steinkooler scored on a Fumble Rooski in the 84 Orange Bowl. Will Shields ran it against Colorado in 1992. Thumbelrooski.
4: F-U-M-C-L-E-R-O-O-S-K-I.
1: <laughs> <M-t- laughs> D- <laughs> <laughs>
3: That is, that is correct. That is correct. All right. All right. Well done. Uh, Vogel. Switzer. Switzer. Okay.
4: Um let's see. S W I T Z E R.
3: That's correct. That Wait is there. that is correct. Okay. Uh Klasberg. Missouri.
4: Somehow I knew this was going to come up and I would have been disappointed had it not. <clears throat> M. I. I see now I'm confused. Does it go Z or S? <sighs> Let me show it again. M-I-S-S-O-U R U. Missouri.
0: <laughs>
3: We're gonna take that. Well, take that sounds take good. That. that sounds good. It's two to two. Okay. Vogues, um, this is tough. Punt I'll do my best. Punt. Punt. I can't punt this one. I gotta take it. Yes. All right.
4: Punt. P U N T punt. Any more
3: brain busters? <laughs> All right. Clawsburn. Uh, Kamani Fred. <clears throat> um, K.H. M-A-N-I No, Clawsburn. Of course... Well, no one watches basketball. What are you talking about? Kamani Friend <laughs> is spelled K-I-M-A-N-I Friend, F-F-R-I-E-N-D One strike. I like, got the first name right. That's close enough. Clausburn don't argue with me. Hey, them. Pete, hey, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vogues. Dadgummit. <laughs> okay, Vogues. Raiola. Raiola. I'm interested in the country of origin for this one as well, but I'll just I'll just go. America, R-A- Hawaii. A- yeah. Well, all right. E- oh, vote So close. R-A-I-O-L-A. So we each have a strike here. It's okay. I
4: believe Raiola is also an affordable family sedan from Japan, so just trying to... <coughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Clausburn. You're up. Okay. Gonorrhea. C A R L. <laughs> is that, wrong? that is incorrect. Oh. Two okay. strikes. <laughs> Two strikes. <laughs> Uh, oh, gosh. Vogues, uh, spell flag. Flag? Okay.
4: F-L-A-G,
3: flag? That, that is correct. Clausburn, you need to get this to keep it. Keep it rolling here. Are you okay? Uh, I'm okay. Okay. Tony Fanoti. You give him all the easy
1: ones.
2: <laughs> T-O... And I really don't think you need any more letters than that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
4: <clears throat> T-O-N-I...
3: You. Ooh. Correct on the first part. F O N O T I. You got it. We are tied. We are out of time. We are going to hold this over for the next segment. Each will have one word. One word left. Mm-hmm. Sudden death. Clausburn, I'm impressed. You got Tony Finotti correct. In I have
4: I blacked out,
3: I'm sorry <laughs> No, that's okay <laughs> Well played And Man Clausburn missed on Kamani Friend And Vogue's you missed on Rayola Rayola And Clawsburn, <laughs> we're going to leave the, the Carl one alone
1: Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show With Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach Alright, that's it You two guys leave me no choice
3: No television for a week. What? Back to you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's YouTube Tuesday. We check in with a Husker standout, and the game featured today, you remember it well. The comeback, the win, the finish against colorado in 2008 alex henry and domic sue and of course senior day for joe gans with us and the proud new papa joe how's life man congrats on the newborn
4: thank you it's uh it's been going good things are a little hectic around the house uh with the newborn and then trying to keep a two-year-old entertained and both of us working from home. and
3: Joe, let's go back to 2008. Let's go back to senior day. And uh, you'd been a part of the Nebraska program for a while. You always finish it against Colorado back in the Big 12. How were you feeling about going into that game against the Buffs as it was time to send you and many of your teammates out the right way?
4: You know, I think we were really confident. We were playing really well. You know, especially offense. You know, the defense was really, you know, the last second half of you was really turning it on. So we were we were really confident. You know, we were coming off, you know, beating Kansas State. We were coming off beating K, KU. U. Two pretty good games that we played, you know, well offensively. So I know offensively we were we were feeling pretty confident and I think the defense was starting to, to feel a little bit more confident. And I, I just remember Coach Bowe was he always tells a story about Coach Eckler was all hyped up that game and saying how locked in the linebackers were and how ready to roll they were. And then I think it was the first or second play, they ran a play action pass and they hit the tight end for a touchdown right down the seam. And it was the linebackers' fault. And I remember Bo just getting after Coach Ack about it. And uh, I didn't know that that part of the story to start, but I just remember I was like, "Well, oh, it's one play, you know." But I didn't know that Ack came up to him pregame and was pumping up the linebackers, saying how ready they were and how mentally locked in they were. And I think it was the first play, first or second play of the game. They let up a I guess eighty yard touchdown. So um, you know, it was it was weird. It was a weird start to the game. Uh, I should have known that it was going to be a weird game just because they went up fourteen nothing real quick and, you know, they weren't really, you know, explosive offense and, you know, Cody Hawkins was you know, he was Cody Hawkins. So we weren't really expecting a big um you know, a big offensive output from them. Um, you know, but then you you find yourself down fourteen nothing pretty quick and uh it was just kind of a sign of things to come from there.
3: Joe Gans is with us, wide receivers coach at Northern Iowa. Of course, the quarterback for Nebraska, the 8 Colorado Nebraska game, our YouTube Tuesday. That that's kind of what, what shocked me is Colorado's limping in, right? I mean, they finished mm-hmm. five and seven, but they're they're knocking on bull eligibility. Meanwhile, you guys are uh, trying to, to notch that eighth win. And to your point, you guys beat a really good Kansas team on the road uh uh you beat mangino that was a that was a gritty ball game for you and Hulu and uh of course uh you beat k state and then cu comes in here and i, I couldn't believe they jumped out 14 nothing i mean they they looked incredible now you guys did you panic at all or were you just like no worries man cuz you ended up scoring 17 straight points to go up 17-14
4: yeah, we didn't, uh, I know we didn't panic, um, you know, we just, we didn't know if it was going to be kind of similar to the year before, we played KU, and or sorry, we played Colorado, mm-hmm. and it was just a shootout from the beginning, um, you know, so we're like, is this going to be kind of how it's like, you know, again, we didn't know, but that, there wasn't a panic, you know, we played, we thought their defense the year before was a better defense, and Um, you know, we ended up putting, I don't remember, you know, 50 some points on them. Um, so we, we knew we had success against their scheme and their, their personnel. And, you know, we, we knew that, or we thought they were a better team defensively than the, the year before. And so we knew we had the firepower, uh, to score points. Um, you know, we knew that, you know, the way to attack their scheme and they tried to do some different things, you know, because we hurt them so bad the year before, uh, so it just it took us a little bit of time to settle in, just to figure out okay, this is how they see us as an offense, how they're going to try and stop what we did to them a year ago, and then how do we attack? And then you know from there it just kind of uh, you know went on to be a, a you know just a kind of your, your typical you know college football back and forth <laughs> rivalry game where you know records really don't matter. Um, you know, it was just—it was just one of those weird days where where weird things kind
3: of happened. Joe Gans with us, few minutes here, YouTube Tuesday, Hale Varsity Radio, recapping the 8 Nebraska Colorado game. So you guys are up. You you're up seventeen uh, fourteen. Uh, the Buffs kick a field goal, and uh, then Quentin uh, plunges in off of the right side with about two minutes left before half. You get the ball back, and. Henry's lined up for the field goal, and, and, and the infamous blind flip to to Jake Wesh. Well, it's fumbled. The Buffs pick it up, a scoop and score to tie it right before half. I saw LSU and, and Les Miles run that play the, earlier in the season. It was kind of a blind flip, or maybe it was even the year before Bo was coordinator down there at LSU. But it was the mm-hmm. it was the blind fake. Did you know? The the fake was coming, and B. What was your reaction on the sideline once you saw that thing blow up in your face, blow up in the team's face?
4: I didn't know the fake was coming. We actually ran that the week before. Okay, we ran it against KU for first down. Okay, so we put it in, and we were going to Alex Henry was actually going to throw it off of that. So he was, we were, Jake was supposed to flip it to Alex. Alex was going to catch it and throw like a stutter pass mm-hmm. um, to the to the wide. I can't remember who it was. Um, but there was, there was one look where I think we were supposed, I think Zach Potter was supposed to audible it off. <laughs> and, I, and they were, and Wesh was told me the story. He was sitting there, you know, getting ready to take the snap. And I think it was Jimmy Smith. I'm not sure who it was. Um, they were saying, watch the fake, watch the fake. He
3: Jimmy Smith, it. yeah, recovered and, it.
4: And, and Wesh was like, Zach, are you going to audible out of this? And Zach didn't. And <laughs> he was like, okay. So then he went ahead of it and, you know, obviously threw it and, you know, picked it right to him and ran it back for a touchdown. And the, the funny part was Wes's, like, first two steps, like he thought he actually had a chance to catch him. Um, and then he just, got, <laughs> he just got pulled away from him. And, uh, you know, we kind of – we always gave Jake a lot, of, a lot of crap for that just because you know, he, we knew that he had no chance of catching an NFL corner. Um, obviously from a knee with a head start, but he, he those first two steps he was really trying to trying to get out the blocks and go get him and i've been there before, so I realize, I understand how frustrated it is to 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 throw one and see I know it technically was a fumble, but mm-hmm. um, you know to throw one and see it going back to the house I know how how angry you are in those initial moments so uh, I felt for poor Jake but I think he, I think Jake blames Zach Potter to this day about it.
3: Well, Zach, I think made up for it. We'll get to it here at the end in a moment. But uh, it's YouTube Tuesday. Nebraska's shootout win over Colorado in two thousand eight, forty to thirty-one. And Husker great Joe Gans with us, uh, wide receivers coach now at Northern Iowa. So you're you're tied at half. How? Wh- where did you stand in accordance to Bo? This was his first year. In, in Lincoln and you guys really had a great season and finished super strong. And then you you've seen both sides of Bo and we talked about it last time as as the the player that the wrath of Bo and the support of Bo, but also as as a, as an assistant at Nebraska and at Youngstown. I mean you, you, you see He's always coaching you. What was his emotion like after the fake uh, botch? W- where was he at going into halftime, and how did he handle that with you guys in the, in the locker room?
4: Um, yeah, I don't think he was. I don't remember him being like overly upset. You know, I think it was more of okay, we did some things to ourselves where you know we're we're hurting ourselves, we're beating ourselves. Um, you know, from a defensive from a uh, standpoint mm-hmm. from a special team standpoint. Um so I think there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of panic either. You know, I think he figured once you know we stopped making those mistakes and stopped, you know, basically giving them points and not making them earn it. Um I think he felt confident. Uh you know, so there wasn't uh there wasn't a real big like, you know, rah rah speech. It was more of, you know, once you kind of saw the offense we settled in and you know the defense was trying to settle into their the way they were going to attack that offense. Uh, I think he was, you know, more just okay. You know, once we get our our stuff together and start understanding what we need to do, uh, I think he was he was confident that you know we were going to go ahead and, and win that game and uh, play the way we needed to play. But it wasn't it wasn't like an overly emotional speech or anything like that.
3: Alex Henry man was such a weapon for you guys. Incredible in this game, phenomenal a, a year later in, in his careers. Take me through your emotions the moment it's fourth in, a, in you know, O Street from, from <laughs> where uh, you know Henry's got to boot it, and you're down 31, 30. What were you feeling like, and what was the environment like on the sideline? Pre-kick, and then let's, we'll, we'll get to, to after he made it. But what was that uh, vibe like?
4: You know, it was it was, it was was a weird, like, set of plays. Obviously, the second down play was, a, like, a throwback trick play that mm-hmm. I screwed up. Um, you know, there was one blitz where I had to get out of it, and, you know, Colorado disguised it, but I saw it at the last second, but thought I could get it off and didn't get out of it and took that sack. So I was looking to actually throw it back to, a, I think it was to Mike McNeil, on like a little tight end throwback sprint out. Um, so I screwed that up, and, you know, I was pretty – upset with myself and then third down came and you know, we called the play for, you know, what we thought their third down coverage was going to be and it was um, you know, just to get I think it was like, you know, 12 or 13 yards back to try and make that kick a little bit easier for Alex and then, you know, Mikey drops it. So, um, you know, going coming off the field, yeah, you know, it was like, are we going for it, you know, are we throwing a Hail Mary what's the deal? Um, you know, and it was just kind of like a confusing part. Obviously, I'm mad at Right. myself i'm upset at mike you know uh you know and different emotions are going through and then you know they're like okay alex go ahead and kick it and i didn't really think about the distance at that point i was i was more just running off and so i you know look on the sideline and i see him you know standing basically on the end and i was like oh okay this is far this isn't very <laughs> this isn't as close as i thought we were um this you know, is and far. so once you see exactly where they where jake and alex are setting up for that kick um you know, your 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 outcome is grim, you know, just because you know you have a ton of confidence in Alex just the way he is and the way he's been kicking the ball all year, but it was cold. Um, you know, the wind in Memorial Stadium, you never really know which way it's going. Um, you know, so you didn't know that a, you know, does he have enough leg in him to get a fifty seven yarder, uh, in that in those conditions, uh, you know, especially under that pressure. Uh, you know, so you kinda you're, you're you're hoping for the best, but expecting the worst, I guess.
3: Well, and you hoped for the best, and, and Henry had another 10 yards in him. I mean, he crushed it, and the place goes bananas. And you you, you pull ahead of Colorado. Joe Gans with his YouTube Tuesday, the 08 Nebraska-Colorado game. Is that the loudest you've heard Memorial Stadium, or was the Hail Mary against Northwestern louder? You were on the sideline for both.
4: I think that was, I think that kick was louder. Um, You know, I think that was, that was the loudest. And then, you know, for me, it just kind of, it was so loud and then just went, like, numbingly quiet for me because, you know, as a player, you just kind of, you're used to that moment when Mm -hmm. you hear it and then everything kind of goes quiet. Um, I just remember, you know, running up to Alex and thanking him for, um, you know, basically, you know, saving my behind in, in terms of, you know, that game. And, um, you know, because I think, <laughs> I think if, if we don't win that game, I think, uh, you know, the way I played, um, you know, especially that, that second down sack, uh, you know, I think it takes a little bit of maybe shine off of my career that I had. I think people sure. might remember me a little bit differently. Um, so I, you know, but at that moment I didn't care. I was just thankful that he, that he saved me, and that we were able to uh, obviously take the lead and you know go ahead and win the game on our senior day because you know it would have been that would have been a very tough I think pill to swallow to lose that game knowing you know how I played and 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 what happened that that previous play um, you know to lose your senior night at home that would have been a that would have been something that would have been tough for me to live with I think for for the rest of my life so I you know but I was just so happy that you know he bailed me out and you know he bailed out our offense and, and we were able to win it and then you know obviously you know the pick six from Sue kind of cemented it and uh, but it was just it was more of like it kind of went quiet I just ran to find Alex to to basically thank him for for helping me you know with my screw up
3: did you ever in your career try and pull a, a a Cody Hawkins and that's go after Sue on a pick six?
4: I would have got Sue down. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there was if Sue would have picked if, if Sue would ever picked me off in a game, I would have got him down. There's no doubt. I mean, I think Cody got scared at the end and and uh, kind of saw the saw the freight train coming. But there's no chance. I would have I would have rather broken my shoulder than than try and tackle Sue than look like well, I mean, Cody looked like a a fly on a, a semi-truck window. It looked like one of those, you ever seen the movie, like a, it, a bee's life or whatever? When yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, slap. And all the bugs on the windshield, that's what it looked like. It was, I don't think he was very, he was very excited to, to, um, you know, try and tackle him, but I'm a hundred percent positive I would have tackled Sue. There's no doubt in my mind.
3: You're you're it, man. The way he was running with that football, I mean, Potter <laughs> tips it, Sue picks it, and he's. I mean, Sue like slows up to try and kill the guy.
4: Yeah, oh yeah, that's just, if I mean if you guys know Sue, that's how he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It wasn't. I mean, he knew the game was over once that was into in the ball into his hand. I think he was just trying to, almost not probably embarrass him, but yeah, like you said, he was trying to inflict as much pain as he could on on that quarterback who <laughs> was trying to tackle him.
3: Joe Gans, YouTube Tuesday. Uh, what a story from Joe Gans. What a win for Nebraska. Uh, Alex Henry, Joe Gans, uh, and, of course, and Sue. Sue. Uh, Joe, we'll get caught up again, man. This was a lot of fun. I can't uh, thank you enough for giving us a few minutes. Best to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk again, bud.
4: Yeah, thanks. Next time you guys do do a game that I played pretty well in instead of the one that I, like, screwed up well, at we'll, the end of the game. You guys want a YouTube Tuesday, a, a screw-up of mine. You, now you owe me a game that I played really well in, and we'll, well do it again. All right,
3: done. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll research, and there's, there's a lot to pick from. So we'll, we'll get it handled. Joe, thanks again, man. It.